Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back the incredible all-star catcher for the Chicago Dogs, Ryan Lidge. Ryan, thanks for coming back and joining us. Guys, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me back on. I enjoyed last time. I know this time will be even better, so uh, uh, I look forward to it. You're a vet with us now, so uh, we're we're pretty excited about this. But Ryan, before we talk a little bit about what's going on with the Chicago Dogs and and stuff, you're you were down in Puerto Rico for winter ball. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, I played down in Puerto Rico for about twenty five to thirty games. I was I was able to get around a hundred at bat, so uh, that was something I've always wanted to do was play in uh, play winter ball. And Puerto Rico was actually a first choice, and uh, um, my manager Butch Hobson and hitting coach. Uh, uh, JD, Joe Dominic, uh, they had a connection and, um, uh, you know, I wasn't there to start the season, but I was able to go in, um, a couple games into it and, uh, played for the team called RA 12, which is, uh, Roberto Alomar's owned team, um, which was a younger team. So I was the older guy on the team, but, uh, uh, I had a lot of fun, got to play baseball in 80 degree weather in the middle of December. So, uh, can't complain too much about that. It's my first time playing, you know, baseball in uh, in December, so it was awesome, great experience. But uh, good to be home, and uh, now I can look forward to uh, to summer field baseball in the in the U.S. So you mean to tell me that if you have enough money, you could own a team in Puerto Rico and have the team named after your initials and your <laughs> player number? I think if you're Roberto Alomar and uh, you want to have a team, then uh, I think people will uh, be able to let you do what you want because I'll tell you what, I haven't seen uh, that much respect given to an individual in a long, long time. They, The way they look at uh, at Roberto is, uh, you know, he he has an unbelievable amount of respect down there. Every team we would play against, every uh, coach, every player, just anytime he talked, you listened. And, uh he, uh, for him to, uh, you know, create this team and create this opportunity for the younger guys who get to play against, you know, guys in the major leagues are, are throwing against him is, um, you know, I, I think it's amazing. Um, a lot of props to him for doing that and for believing in me also and, and allowing me to play down there was, uh, was very special. So, uh, um, I don't think anyone can just do it just cause you got some money. You got to have some behind your name and, uh, Roberto Alomar sure for sure has that. So you're telling me I can't hit the Powerball and start up a team and call it KL10. <laughs> if you gave him enough money, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I'll have to talk to the commissioner about this if things work out. Yeah. Was he managing the team then, or what was his role as you guys were playing? Yeah, so he's um, he wasn't necessarily – he wasn't our manager. Um, he wasn't the hitting coach. He wasn't the infield coach, but he was – himself he we knew he's the owner of the team um but a totally unique type owner that you know played the game hall of famer um his brother played the game his dad played and coached so uh anything that this guy said you would listen to so he was a coach but at the same time um he would he would just sit there and watch the games and if he felt like he had something to say then he would say it, and, and um, you know you don't you don't have the owner of your baseball team really sitting in your dugout during games a lot, so that was pretty cool to have, especially when it's a guy like uh, like like Roberto Alomar. So I I soaked in every second of it that I could with him. 
you know, I have to tell you, I was pretty impressed. This is the most games you've played in a season in uh, in the American Association, actually in any professional season. Then you went and played winter ball this year. No no desire to rest? You wanted to get right back out on the diamond, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, um, got to see Peterson. We're out of Crystal Lake, Illinois. Um the facility is called Evolution Baseball Academy, but it's it's nothing big. But what we do is we are obsessed with baseball. We love it. And, um, we want to play baseball as much as we can. And so my goal going into this year was to play as many games as I've ever played, to catch as many games as I've fought. And uh, that doesn't mean you don't get tired. That doesn't mean you don't get beat down. But you put yourself into a certain physical shape and a certain mental shape where you're able to handle it. Um and, uh, you know, I got to have, like, two months off uh, before I went back down to play some baseball in Puerto Rico. Uh, and uh, But it's a, it's a testament to the ability that I train at and uh, the, uh, the shape that I was able to get in because of the guys there, because of the guys who pushed me and who motivate me and say, hey, you got this opportunity, go down there and, and, and do it. Even, even if you're a little tired, you can, you can handle it. You can get through it. So, uh, I owe a lot to those guys and, uh, it was a lot of games, but I mean, Hey, it's baseball, you know, you find a way. Was this an entirely different training regimen you had for yourself then from this year in comparison to previous years? Yes. Um, absolutely. Uh, a lot more, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, stamina work, um, endurance, making sure that my arm's healthy to, you know, be able to catch as many as I can because I'm throwing the ball as much as anyone. And so I got to make sure that guy's healthy. Got to make, make sure my legs are healthy. I've got a strong core so that if something does come up. If I do get a, you know, hit by a pitch or get a little weaker, then it can come back, you know, right away and, and handle it. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's something like too crazy, but. Um, I just made sure that I put myself in, in basic exercise and sprint. Oh, boy. Well, that sounds like you're doing some things here. Now, do you, are you seeing that this is improving your ability on, on the field as well by doing this training, or is this just allowing you to play more? Um, I, 100% both. Um I mean, I can't be on the field if I'm not on the field. You know, I can't play if I'm not on the field. So, uh, you know, I, I, I tell a lot of kids, um, you you get in the weight room and you and you build strength, yes, to hit the ball further, yes, to throw harder, to run faster, but you also do it so you can stay on the field. Um, and, I, and I try to keep it as basic as that, and the more that you kind of preach how important um, to having a, a – a, a body that's in baseball shape, not football shape, not hockey shape, but baseball shape. And the more that I've, I've preached that to kids I teach lessons with, and when I coach in the offseason, the more I realize myself that, hey, I need to, uh, I need to do that too. So, um, I mean, it, it helps in everything. You know, you're, you're not as sore the next day, and um, even if you are, you're able to handle it. So, uh, um, not saying that 80 games is easy, because I, I think I caught around 80 games or so, and now I guess with winter ball around 100. Not saying it's easy, but you try to put yourself in the best position to do that, and I feel like I did this offseason. So when you say baseball shape, um, elaborate a little bit on that. 
does that mean like you're you're maybe you, you have muscle mass, but you're making sure you're also flexible enough where you're not prone to muscle injuries? Yes, absolutely. Um, you you got to be flexible, especially in the upper body. Um, as a baseball player, you need those you need those shoulders to be flexible to be able to handle the stress that you're going to naturally put on that arm throughout the season. I mean, you're you're throwing a baseball, which is already a an unnatural movement, and you need to make sure those muscles can handle the stress that you put on it. And then for me as a catcher, I got to make sure that yes, my legs are strong, but it's strength with that flexibility because I'm in I'm in such a low stance. I can put a lot of pressure on my knees. I can put it on my ankles and my hips. But if I have the right flexibility with the right strength, making sure that I'm recovering properly, which is which has to do with the diet, um, I feel like I give myself the best chance to go out that night and play the game the best way that I can. Because if I don't do it, if I have a little nick in my side or my core is sore or something, maybe it's going to make me that split second late to block a ball, split second late to, you know, swing the bat on a on a certain pitch or whatever so um that baseball shape um it it for sure involves that flexibility so i do do some yoga i do a lot of stretching and i make sure to do that with my weight training and my sprint work you know ryan i have to ask you kevin and i were at the championship series and watched hector sanchez take a ball off every part of his body where there wasn't a pad, it seems like. I mean, he was just getting <laughs> pummeled there. And and I was, I'm kind of wondering, is it to your advantage to be more muscular to kind of handle those hits? I would think having a little bit more fat in some parts of your body would be a benefit. But what is better for you? I'll tell you what. Hector Sanchez is one of my favorite catchers I've ever played against. And that's not to take anything away from any other catchers in the league or guys that I've played against, but I love playing against that dude. He's played for a long time, and, and he every game I feel like he got beat up. So it's funny that you bring that up because I just remember looking at him, and I'm like, he's getting all these foul balls, and uh, even at the plate he'd get hit by a pitch or something. But I couldn't give you a straight answer on that, to be honest, if more muscle is going to help you get through it. But the thing that gets you through it is just catcher's got to be mentally strong, and um, even if it hurts a little bit, you just got to get through it. I mean – you'll see a catcher do a really clean block, right? It'll hit perfectly off the chest protector, go right to the ground, they'll pick it up, boom, and you're like, oh, good good block, no big deal. But that ball could have smoked them right in the in the rib cage, and you have no idea, and even though they got that padding there, it could have hurt. So um, there's, a, there's a mental fortitude that you kind of got to have, and, and you kind of embrace the pain a little bit, and that's something that Hector for sure has done. Um, maybe a little bit of flub there on the body could help, but – um, I'll, I'll, I'd rather have more muscle on there than than uh, some of the some of the I guess flub like I said. So couldn't give you a straight answer on that, but you just gotta grind through it regardless. Now this past year, you come up with your best offensive numbers we've seen in in the league so far, and an, another All Star performance by you. I mean, you're doing everything right here. I, I'm kind of wondering: Are you at least getting some recognition by affiliate clubs out there, or, or you're not worried about that at this particular point? Um, I think everyone in the league that is an ultimate goal is to get back into affiliate ball, and that doesn't mean that we don't want to play in this league. I mean, I've had the most fun I've ever had playing baseball with the Chicago Dogs, no questions asked. Um, but everyone for sure aspires to get back with uh with the major league organization um 
I've gotten a couple teams who I've heard are interested and, and, um, you know, might be looking at me and I, I do have some workouts coming up, uh, some spring training, uh, free agent invite workouts. Um, but, uh, you know, I just got, and for me, I just got to keep going and, and try to keep showing teams that, hey, like, I can play this game. I can catch and throw. I can also have good, give you quality at bats and, and, and swing it and, and be a leader on your team and be a positive asset for your organization. Um, and then I feel like my play will keep showing that. And hopefully someone says, hey, we're going to take a chance on Lidge here. Um, and, and hopefully that goes somewhere, but right now I haven't really gotten too much. Like I said, a couple, couple workouts, but I sent about a mass email out to about a hundred, hundred guys in the uh, front offices of all teams. So I got a couple responses. That was pretty cool. And we'll see what happens. But right now I'm just focused on, uh, getting ready for those workouts and then getting ready for the season. As you look at your numbers in, in comparison over the last couple of years, it looks power numbers have gone up. Your batting average has gone up. Everything you look like you've improved on your game. Are there aspects of your game that you've been working on directly to try to improve, or it's just kind of the experience and maturity that's helping you to get better? It's definitely a combo, but I would say more on there are a lot of things that I look to improve after my first year with the dogs. And I know it's a successful year, but you always have to make adjustments. So my biggest thing was I wanted more power numbers and I wanted to be able to be as consistent as I was last year. Um, so the main things I worked on in my offensive category was uh, getting to my legs a little bit more, getting a little more consistent with my, with my swing. Um, you know, the, leg, the legs generate all the power in the swing. Every baseball player should tell you that power comes from the legs. So I really wanted to focus on that. Um, but – Maybe even more importantly, I wanted to focus on my vision, and I wanted to be able to uh, recognize pitches better, recognize those, those curveballs that you could drive a little better, or taking uh, certain pitches that are borderline to be able to uh, get yourself into better counts. So I did a lot of vision training, um, which pretty much involved uh, – there's this uh, tennis ball machine that I use that shoots balls at about 100 to 150 miles an hour, and they got certain colors on it. And you're also hitting them, so you're trying to yell out the colors. You're trying to swing at this tennis ball coming in at you, which feels like a million miles an hour. Um, and the more you do that, you'll you'll realize how important your eyes are when you when you're hitting. And if you're not seeing it, you're not hitting it. So those, it seems really simple and really elementary, but uh, it's something I really focused on last offseason, and something I'm even um, trying to really really focus on this offseason even more. And uh, uh, hopefully, keep doing that, and and we'll see more upticks in the numbers. You've had a lot of really good teammates the last couple of years with the Chicago Dogs. Have any of them been sort of a mentor to you and um, guys that you may have picked up um, something that has helped your own, your own game? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys what, if you didn't, if you couldn't see it on the field, the last two years with the dogs, the the uh, the core guys, which I would say were mostly our offense guys and maybe some relievers and starters, um, I like I, I I alluded to earlier, I've had never had more fun with a team in my life. These these guys are are guys I'm going to be in communication with forever. Um, couple mentors, it's it's easy to say Casey Hobson. Um, and, and Michael Krause, those are guys that have played for a long time. Um, 
and both a little bit of different players. Casey Moore on the power, uh, power uh, extra base hit side, first baseman, um, and he's a left-handed hitter too, so I got a lot of good uh, advice from him and, and just watching the way he goes about his business. And then guy like Michael Krause, an outfielder with speed who steals bases, and even though I'm not a guy who steals bases, I really try to pay attention to the way that he runs the bases, the way he does at bats, because I got the bat behind him um, for a long time. And uh, the way that both those guys go about their business, I, I look up to those guys a ton. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to be able to play with got two guys like that. But, again, I don't want to take anything away from the, my other teammates. Uh, I've got guys like Charlie Tilson, guys like Stevie Wilkerson, guys like TJ Bennett, um, even pitchers like Michael Bowden, Brian Schlitter, a lot of older guys that I'm able to learn a lot of, about baseball from, and even the younger guys I'm able to. So every single guy that walks in that door in Chicago, I feel like I learned something from, and um, it's been it's been an absolute blast and, and a, a great learning experience for me to be able to play uh, at Impact Field. You know, I'm I'm a little surprised to hear you say about the the lack of stolen base numbers. I mean, you nearly doubled your career total this year. I, I was looking for a 20 stolen base year out of you. I know, I know. Uh, I actually, I, you guys may not have seen it, but I did. I posted all over the place on Instagram. I hit an inside the park home run in Puerto Rico, which was one of the funniest things I've ever done on the baseball field. I was laughing round and third. I couldn't believe the guy sent me, to be honest. So. Uh, we'll see. I, if I if I doubled it last year, hopefully I can double my stolen bases next year, which I think is four or somewhere around four, which shouldn't be too hard. But I did have Michael Krause ahead of me, and those double steals go a long way. <laughs> now, let, let's talk a little bit about this season for you guys. Been a playoff team the last couple of years. A, a tough battle for you guys down the stretch. What, what was kind of going on that, made it a little bit more difficult for you guys in August. Yeah, um, we definitely struggled a little bit, um, and it's kind of hard to pinpoint what exactly happened. If you if you look at it, I guess, whether it's statistically or just from uh, my perspective on the dogs, um, our offense kind of took a little turn, and it seemed like every time that we did have our offense, our, our pitching struggled, and uh, it was almost like the timely hitting wasn't there, and then the timely pitching just kind of, uh, also kind of fell apart a bit, and it, it seemed like we were having a lot of bad luck because um, we, we were a very talented team, and we knew it, uh, but sometimes you get into certain funks that you don't know how to get out of them, and uh, that's where we leaned heavily on Butch as a manager. Um, he's been through it all. He's been coaching for a long time, playing for a long time, so we, we leaned heavily on his advice and, and how we get out of it, and, and uh, you know, even during in the playoffs, even though we, we didn't finish the season as well as we started, we still believed that we had the best chance to win a championship um, last year than we ever did. Um, and even though it didn't happen, every guy in that team will tell you it's one of the be their favorite teams they've played on, one of the best teams they've played on. And uh, it's just, that's just baseball. You know, the best team doesn't always win. And um, sometimes it's the team that's the hottest. So uh, you just kind of talk it up to uh, teams played us really well. They, we had a number on our back. We're the Chicago Dogs. We got that nice stadium. Um, and uh, we're one of the better teams in the league. So every time we played a team, didn't matter. They they brought their A game to us, and uh, uh, sometimes that's just baseball. Now I know that 
kind of the propensity of this is to because things did not work out very well in the playoffs that you ha- might have a negative attitude about this. But but I'm just kind of curious when you looked at the playoff format heading into the postseason, did you like that format regardless of how the outcome ca- came about? Did did you like the way that format came together? Yeah, I think it was really exciting for the fans. You know, you got teams that for the most part wouldn't be involved at all in a playoff race that you know had a chance. A team like Cleburne. I mean, they came out of nowhere. We were we were a little nervous of them because <laughs> uh, they they didn't start the season that great, but they came out of nowhere in uh, in the second half and and brought up brought some life down in Texas, which was really great to see for for the league and and for a team like that. And so the playoff format definitely gives more teams a chance, even when you feel like you're out of it, you're not. Um, but the hardest part is a three game series in baseball is tough, and I, even the major leagues does it. Um, I love five game series. Obviously, seven game series is is the best way to do it. Even though I understand it is a lot of games, um, so you do need uh, to find a way to uh, kind of find the best of both worlds. And and I, I think it's fine. I think uh, it's really exciting. Every game really counts in the playoffs, and it makes a three game series makes it even more count. But uh, we definitely were frustrated. We, we we feel like if we had a five or or a seven game series, would we would have been on top, but it doesn't matter because that's what the format was, and uh, and and we respected it, and we knew it going into it. So, um, but at the end of the day, it made things really exciting, and um, it allowed more more teams to get in the playoffs, which is better for the league. Now, besides being a great hitter for this club, you're handling a pitching staff that almost 20 different guys they used last year the year before you had guys that were signed jordan kipper left for a little while back to affiliate ball and you're having to continually adjust to changes to the roster how do you overcome that because that seems like quite a bit of work for not only having to handle your offensive part but working with your pitchers as well yeah well i'll tell you what a lot of credit will go to Stu Clyburn, our pitching coach and and also with butch just bringing in Great, great clubhouse dudes. Um, we you don't run into too many uh, guys that don't have a lot of respect for for uh, uh, the guys coming in already, and um, you just you just which just happens to find talented, really really good teammates. Um, but I also think um, I got a lot of experience with the Yankees jumping around from affiliate to affiliate. Um, you know, I would spend maybe three days in, in with one team with the Yankees and all of a sudden jump up a couple of levels to another team for two weeks and then all of a sudden jump down to another team for a couple of days and then another team and another team. And I think in 2018, I might have had like 15 plane flights just because of how many times uh, I went to another affiliate uh, just because I was tabbed as an organizational catcher who, if a guy went down, all right, we trust Lidge, we're going to send him here. Um, we're going to send them here. And so I had a lot of experience dealing with tons and tons of pitchers uh, with the Yankees. So I actually don't really think about it too much with the dogs, with the new guys coming in. I just make sure, all right, what makes you successful? How can I help? And uh, let's, go, let's go win ball games. I try to make it as simple as that for my guys, and then we can go from there. But uh, uh, I just try to make sure that my pitchers know I'm 100% for your success and for the team's success. So if you're not doing well, then I'm not doing well. And I think that doing that, I kind of create a respect, and um, hopefully guys then enjoy throwing to me. And that's right. There's a lot of pictures that came in this year, but uh, um, like I said, all good guys, and, and I really enjoy uh, getting pictures and doing it. So. 
talking a little bit about Stu. Uh, when when Kevin and I had a chance to talk to him at the All Star break, you know, he was talking about the confidence that he has in you in calling games. And how do you how do you get to a point where your your manager and your pitching coach know? Hey, look, this guy knows the game plan, and 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 if we just turn it over to him, he's going to get the right calls for us out there. It, 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 how do you develop that kind of rapport with your staff? Um, I think that just goes with just playing the games and them watching me and um, mostly me talking to them, whether it's before games, in the middle of games, or after games, and going over scouting reports and um, and scouting reports heavily on what our game plan is, but also what our pitchers do well. Um, and I think with us keeping it really simple, um, just with, okay, what does our pitcher have? What does the hitter struggle with or what does he do really well? And then go from there. We don't really get too crazy involved in the analytics and stuff like that so it's nice to hear uh Stu trust me um there's a lot of times where I'll and, and uh we'll have to have a talk about it in the dugout or after the game but don't by doing things like that I'm able to earn a trust with them and I'm able to also trust what they see and and it's just kind of like a mutual relationship have with I'll look in the dugout and I'll give Stu a look and be like I don't know what to call here and he'll give me a sign or Butch will give me a sign and let's go from there and about what they, it's complicated. It's something that felt like from day one, I need to make sure that my manager, my manager coach trusts my brain behind my pitchers so that when I call me, no matter what I know that they're going to trust it. Even if they shake it off, then I trust them as well. Now, Kevin was asking you a little bit about, guys that are influencing you out up there on the field. You know, I think from an outside point of view, it looks like a very workmanlike attitude for the Chicago Dogs. Are there are there characters to that locker room that we just don't get to see as games are going along? A hundred thousand percent. We have so much fun in that locker room and in the dugout. And uh, there's a ton of characters. I mean, that's Everyone brings their own flavor to the team, and and this is with every team. Uh, there are guys who take things a little more seriously. There's guys who are a little more laid back. There are guys who tend to be goofballs or or or, or clowns. But uh, but at the end of the day, if you looked at the team as a whole, everyone is super laid back, and they're just baseball guys. They understand that hey, not every game is going to go our way. Baseball is a really really hard sport to see. And I don't think that you are all for that you are for. I'm going to make sure that um, but I'm also going to make sure that we're enjoying ourselves because we got a hundred of these things. We got a hundred games to go, and hopefully even more just because playoffs. So uh, if you want some names, my I think one of the funniest dudes I've ever met is uh, Grant K. He is one of my favorite humans ever. He's hilarious. I. He was my roommate on the road, so uh, maybe I'm a little biased, but uh, I tell you, you're one of my favorite teammates and one of the funniest kids ever. And I think I think I agree on the team uh, about the same. Well, right on. Uh, heading, looking into this upcoming season, you you talked a little bit about that you're going to be out in, in some of these other training camps to, to hook up at an affiliate club. If that doesn't work out, are you going to be a Chicago dog again next year? Yep, yep, that's my plan, and and I wouldn't have it any other way. I love playing in Chicago. 
I love the fans in the stadium in my backyard because this is where I'm from. So it, it holds a special place for me. And, uh, uh, and it definitely, you know, baseball became such a job for me um, with the Yankees. And then one of the dogs, I obviously went in with the same mindset, but I definitely fall in love with the game again, playing in Chicago. And uh, uh, I can't wait for the season, whether it's, you know, a team takes a chance on me or not. It's a win-win situation for me. Uh, and if the team does take a chance, I'll tell you what, I would, I will miss Chicago. I will miss playing there. Uh, being a Chicago guy, Cubs or White Sox, Ryan? I grew up a Cubs fan, but right now the majority of guys at my baseball facility are Sox fans, so they're trying to reel me in, and they kind of have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a baseball fan. I, I love baseball. I, I have a older brother who's a strength coach in the Philadelphia Phillies organization, and uh, I have a twin brother um, who also is involved with a lot of baseball. So we're just a baseball family, and uh, uh, so I was rooting for the Phillies in the World Series. So, I'm, like I said, I'm just a baseball guy. I love it. Well, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Ryan, we, we appreciate you joining us this week, but, you know, you're a veteran now on the show, so so you know you get to give us a final thought. So whatever you'd like to talk about, the floor is yours. Well, I I just want to give a shout-out to everyone listening, all the fans in the American Association, all baseball fans. Just I couldn't do what I do without you guys. So the support means the world, um, especially you specifically American Association fans and hopefully some Dogs fans listening. Uh, no matter what, even if it doesn't seem like it, we're, we're listening to you guys in the field. And, and even if we're on the road, uh, we're listening to you guys too. So like I said, we couldn't do what we do without you guys. So you're really, really appreciated. And, uh, I'm not the only player that thinks that for sure. So, uh, keep supporting us and, uh, we'll keep giving you good baseball. Hopefully. Fantastic. Ryan Lidge, thanks Very for joining well, us this week. Thanks guys. I, I always enjoy well, Kevin, great having Ryan Lidge on the show. And, uh, you know, man, proving himself to just be arguably, I would say, the best catcher in the American Association right now. Yeah, the, you know, there, there is a good solid core of catchers in the league, and I believe um, Lidge is right up there with the uh, upper echelon. And uh, good to hear that he may get a few looks from affiliated teams and, as much as I would enjoy seeing them play for the Chicago Dogs again, it would also be nice for them to get another opportunity. And, you know, we, we've seen some incredible catchers in this league over the last probably seven, eight years, Go, going back to a guy like Vinny DeFazio with St. Paul in 14 and 15. And uh, it, it's just great to see Ryan, you know, continuing that tradition on, and, and hopefully he will get that shot. Because, I mean, I, I kind of look at a switch hitting catcher putting up those kind of numbers. you got to wonder what it takes to wind up getting an affiliate ball if, he, if they're ignoring that. There's not many tools he's missing. I So, yeah, don't know exactly what these organizations are looking for. Where it's just a numbers thing where maybe teams just have enough catchers as it is. So, hard to say without um, being involved. Well, Kevin, let's look back on the Chicago Dog season for a moment. And, and this is, I think there were two teams that you and I looked at this last year that we were kind of scratching our head about what, what was going on with them. That was Sioux City and Chicago. It, this team looked like they were built so that they 
just didn't have slumps. I mean, you, you had a, a very consistent group of guys. Nobody was a, a big hitter with, outside of Ryan. Um, you didn't have a, a, a huge 25 home run guy. You just had a lot of guys that hit well. But some, for some reason, August just became a, a tough month for this team. And, you know, I think that unfortunately carried over into the playoffs for them. They got knocked out right off the bat. Chicago was a team that I didn't really pay much attention to. Bad on me. I'm supposed to be following this whole league. But then I took in a couple games in person up in Fargo right after the All-Star break. And the dogs weren't really deep in, in starting pitching. But, boy, when you got to that bullpen, it was power arm after power arm after power arm. And it just wondered how could teams ever come back on this ball club once they got to the bullpen, especially if they had a lead. But then I, when I caught them in August in Kane County, it just seemed like it was a different ball club, like the confidence wasn't there. And, yeah, I mean, kudos to them for finding a way after having that big losing streak to bounce back and take the division. But it just, it just seemed like the team lost a little bit of its swagger during the losing streak. I think the unfortunate part for them, Kevin, is that when they finally got a little bit back of what they were looking to try to get, you know, on the right pathway, they they gave teams like Kane County and Milwaukee a, a lot of hope that, hey, we can easily knock this club off. And we saw that with Milwaukee. They were able to do that. And, and I feel like even if they were able to right the ship, they gave other teams a lifeline. And, you know, in this league, 12 teams can beat you on any night. And, and I think that was what happened to Chicago this year. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty correct assessment of the situation. Well, I wonder as you look into 2023, Kevin, is that we, we've seen Butch's every year has made this team a little bit better. They, they've taken one step further toward becoming a potential championship team here. And after we've seen the last couple of years where it seemed to be like one or two starting pitching guys have been really good. Jeff Kinley came out of the bullpen, was great for them in the starting rotation. Jordan uh, Kipper did not have as good a year after having a sensational season in 2021. I, I wonder if, you, if kind of being the, the outside guy looking in here, what does Butch maybe do differently this year to get this club one level further, get into the championship series, and maybe even win it this year? Well, I think you state the obvious there. You know, hope for that you can somehow find yourself a deeper starting staff. I know in 2021, Kyle Murphy was a big piece of that rotation, and Murphy struggled mightily in 2022. So I think it's a thing where Hobson may go out and try to find some some arms out there that he feels like could be good starting pitchers in this league. And maybe some of the guys he had last year when I was talking about how good that bullpen was, you know, maybe it's a situation like Kinley where somebody in that pen says, Hey, you know what? I want to, we need guys that can start. I want, I want to go on and give this a shot. So, you know, it could be, could be a thing where they find somebody from within to step up and be a solid starter for the team. Now, you've been around independent baseball from the start, and I think one thing that has made Chicago different than a lot of clubs that we have seen over the years is that 
it's been a core of five or six guys on that everyday lineup that have been the same guys over the last few years. Is that a good thing, or do you think that that kind of consistent lineup can get stale and maybe it's time for a little bit of an overhaul? I think it's a good thing. I remember in like the – it seemed like when Fargo Moorhead started up playing in 1996, it seemed like – uh few other guys were like that where they were around for quite a few years and what it did was it uh it established a core of uh of a winning tradition in the ball club and I don't think it is a bad thing. You know, if you had that core of guys and you're you know, in the bottom of the division every year, yeah, that's when I say, hey, maybe it's time to time to start from scratch. But you know, they've developed a winning tradition there and they've you know, obviously from talking to Ryan, it's a fun place to play. So, you know, I don't see it as a bad thing at all. Well, not very much news going on around the American Association outside of this. Cleburne does have the first two players signed of 2023. Um, I'm going to – I horribly butcher both of these names, and I apologize to you guys right off the bat, but outfielder Gersel Pitry, I believe is the way that that said, signed an infielder Engel Vielma. I hope I had at least got close with those. So, so uh, Brad already talked about Logan Watkins out there looking to get this club going right off the bat, and, and uh, Logan wasted no time in 2023 being the first guy out of the box here with guys signed. Yes, player number two that you mentioned. <laughs> Not going to even try to <laughs> touch the name. Um, does have experience as after playing some games for Baltimore in 2018. So that could be a guy that could be leaned upon to be a veteran presence on that ball club. So I'd say it was a pretty good pickup by Logan Watkins. Yeah, he he's really. I think every time that I see something that guy does, I feel more and more impressed by him. Uh, I mean, there's, and I don't mean to discount anybody. I think every manager in this league is really special. But you know, there's there's seven or eight guys out there that are are phenomenal managers, and and I I'm including Logan Watkins in that group now because uh, he really has has impressed me. I got to honestly say. Uh, around the uh, other leagues out there, in the Frontier League, Paxton Wallace has his contract purchased by the Kansas City Royals, so uh, coming out of Joliet from last season, so congratulations to him. P- had a uh, brief 2021 with the club at last season, uh, put up some pretty decent numbers, especially in, in July before uh, it looked like he suffered an injury to the team there, but uh, former Wichita State graduate, so congratulations to him. And out there in the Atlantic League, uh, talking today about Chicago Dogs, we see that uh, Stan Clyburn, um, the brother, twin brother even, as a matter of fact, of Stu Clyburn, uh, will be returning to his club for next year. So, um, you know, I, I think if I remember correctly, we even asked Stu if he might be joining his brother with the Blue Crabs, and uh, he didn't really give us a, <laughs> the answer of that, if I remember, Kevin. Yeah, it's- that sounds about right. Um, I have to imagine, though, I'm, I'm sure he's probably pretty content in Chicago. So who knows? It could be a brother situation where they the, they get along best if they're not around each other all the time. You could absolutely be right about that. But uh, Stan did a great job of the club, had a 727 first half uh, winning percentage and had the top league record in the league last season. So 
um, a guy who's doing the job out there and, you know, maybe doesn't need Stu there. So we, we like Stu in the American Association. So we'll happily keep him there in Chicago and not complain about that one bit. So that's fine with us. I do not believe that there is any other uh, news going on out there in the American Association or independent baseball, Kevin. So we're, we're tossing to you on the final thought. You know, my final thought, and I indirectly alluded to this with um, Ryan, uh, you know, uh, the show is all about me. Uh, and it is. I, in my bowling league, I've had to reestablish my game after not bowling for like 14, 15 years. And now that I have, I've helped out a couple of bowlers. And I have to say, to me, it's just as fun to watch somebody that you've helped out become a better bowler than it is watching, you know, um, than it is having success on your own. And it, it's been a pretty nice um, thing to... You know, I, I often like I'm I'm finding myself I'm watching the guys that I've been working with more than I'm actually watching my own team. But it is a pretty nice feeling when someone you work with has success, and you can tell that they're enjoying what they're doing more because of it. And I imagine that's probably the same thing with baseball too, where you know um, a younger player gets mentored by an older player and starts having success and starts having more fun and I gotta imagine it's good for the the player being coached and the guy doing the coaching. So I guess in a way I can kinda of relate to what um what kind of um signs of success that a coach has in baseball. Yeah, I think that is one of those times where you not only feel like you're giving back to those you know, kind of paying it forward, so to speak, I guess. Um, but where you feel like you get a little ownership on somebody else's success and helping them out through their career. And that's always fun stuff. So uh, when you can make a difference, you know, I, I think sometimes we say things like it's better to give than receive, and we kind of pass that off like it's no big deal whatsoever, like we're just saying it because it sounds good. But the reality is that's true. You know, it is better to give and, and, and then take a lot of times. And, uh, helping somebody out really makes that kind of a difference. Yes, and I, like I said, I think we we see a lot in baseball with coaches um, helping out the younger players and older players helping out younger players, even though when you think about it, if that happens on the higher level, I can see where maybe like a, a, a veteran first baseman might not be so helpful to a younger player that he sees as a threat to his position. And that's rather unfortunate, but I, I guess in the reality is when you get into a major league job, it's that, it's exactly that, a job. You know, what's the old saying? Um, uh, I'll teach you everything you know, but not everything I know. But... I'm glad that in, I'm in something that's non-competitive like that where, you know, I can, once I established myself where, you know, a guy that's got like a 
140 average doesn't want to get advice from someone with a 150 average. You're like, well, you're only 10 pins better than me. You you don't know anything. Same thing in baseball. You know, the guy's got like a guy's got like a 4.8 ERA. You know, why would he? A guy that's got a similar ERA is like, well, why should this guy be mentoring me? He's <laughs> I'm just as good as he is. But it's so that 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 step took a while, but boy, I'm really I'm really enjoying the whole thing about um, working with with um, other people to make sure to help them along to so that they can enjoy what they're doing. And you know, what what I do with bowling, it's a game where it's frankly it's it is dying a little bit at the grassroots level. You know, the pro game's going strong, but. If I can, if I can make someone do better, enjoy the game more, they're more likely to come back and keep doing it. So, so yeah, my rambling dissertation. Um, the conclusion is, it is nice to, and uh, you do have satisfaction in mentoring others. Yeah, you know, and I want to take that thought that you just had right there and expand that out, even into experience at games, like you were saying, if you know. If you're enjoying more of your time bowling, then you're going to want to do it more. Well, you know, if they're doing things to make the experience at the ballpark more enjoyable, people are going to show more often. And uh, um, you and I have talked about this a lot over the last few years, and, and uh, I hope that there's some owners and GMs out there that are saying to themselves, we need to start doing some things across many sports, not not just here in, in um Partner league baseball, we'll call it for today, uh, but uh, also in you know minor league hockey and places like that. You know, let's get fans do some things and get fans out to the stadium is what we're Kevin and I believe. And no doubt, I mean to apply what I've been talking about to um, such things as marketing. You know, if um, you'd like to see, and I I believe St. Paul's always done a good job of this. They've moved people on to other teams. And the people that they've moved on have been able to say, okay, hey, you know what? This is something we did in St. Paul. Let's give this a shot and try to get some more people out to the ballpark. Hey, this is a promotion we did. Hey, this is a in-between innings thing we did. So I think it's good that it's good that people at the top care enough about the people under them that they're more than willing to go out and lend a hand and give some solid advice and and just do things that are better for the sport as a whole as opposed to just worrying about your own team. Absolutely well said there, Kevin. Fantastic. Before Kevin and I end tonight, we want to say that now that we are in the 2023, to Happy New Year to everybody out there, and we hope that uh, 2023 is a lot less tumultuous than what we had this last couple of years. Because, uh, Kevin, it's been a little overwhelming at times. No doubt about it. I'd like to just see uh like to see a bit of normalcy kind of creep into our society again. We used to have it. It was neat. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Once again, Kevin and I want to thank Ryan Lidge for joining us this week. Over the next two weeks, Kevin and I will be closing out our look back on the 2022 season. So we have Anthony Renz and Greg Taggart. Greg coming over to take over the Winnipeg Gold Eyes job. And Anthony's sort of the manager 2.0 i guess we're calling there of the fargo moorhead red hawk so we'll talk a little bit more about him and the championship series and what he's got going on so looking forward to that 
So once again, thank Ryan for joining us this week. For Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.